Welcome to this week's Eccentric Minute, brought to you by Eccentric. This week's Eccentric Minute, we're going to review one of our foundational single leg exercises, and that is the K-Box Split Squat. Just like with the squat, guys, make sure you got that tether taunt when you're at full extension, and set yourself a counterbalance. Here we're going to use the barbell on the rack. Sink it down just like a regular split squat, chest tall, and drive through that front foot. I really like that back plate there to take tension off that back toe. As we progress forward, that's going to be big time to help us even keep our weight forward more. As we increase intensity and decrease volume, we're also typically cutting depth, therefore increasing transfer when we're looking at stopping power at a greater height. Guys, give this one a shot. I'm sure that this is one that you're going to find some great carryover for your athletes. I really hope you enjoyed this week's Eccentric Minute. Make sure you check them out at eccentric.com to find out everything you need about the K-Box and the K-Pulley. Being a strength and conditioning professional requires constant pursuit of better knowledge, better methods, and better means. But what if there was a place where strength and conditioning coaches could learn from some of the most innovative practitioners in the world, such as Jeff Moyer, Lachlan Wilmot, William Wayland, James the Thinker Smith, and Kirwenham Flat. Well, you could find multiple lectures from each of these top-level coaches and a few lectures and examples from yours truly as well, all in the Strength Coach Network. The Strength Coach Network is going to bring you well over a hundred different lectures from some of the top practitioners in the world to be your one-stop shop for your continuing education and professional development. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash today and get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. That's strengthcoachnetwork.com slash C-V-A-S-P-S to get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. I look forward to seeing you in the Strength Coach Network. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, I have the absolute pleasure of getting to sit down and talk training basketball players with Stanford's men's basketball strength and conditioning coach, Mike Chapman. After a real quick intro about how he got down to Palo Alto, Mike's going to dive right into the role of assessments, what he's looking at, and how it drives the training out there. You know, then we get into, you know, the uniqueness of the athletes that he gets to work with at Stanford and how, you know, that drives a lot of the decisions that he gets to make, along with how that impacts how he's able to individualize the training for the student athletes that he gets to work with. You know, and then we finish off talking about how, you know, he has gotten the guys to buy into him, his program, and, and what they've done successfully in the training program itself to really help contribute to that. This is really an awesome talk, guys. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Mike, thank you so much for spending the time with us today. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. It's uh, It's different looking all the way over to the left instead of looking a little bit up to you like it has been for the last three years. But for the people who don't know where you are and what you're at, let's let's let people know how you got out there to Stanford. Um, I was recently at Towson University as assistant director of uh, strength conditioning. And uh, I had a coach reach out to me while I was at the power car in Denver and asked if I'd be interested in the position. So I uh, came out and talked to the coach here and a uh, really, really, really good fit. And so I've been out here for about a month and a half. It's just been a, it's been a blessing. It's been really, really good. Yeah. Awesome, man. And now you've got the guys and you're rocking and rolling and you, you came in at a unique time because 
it really is the heart of preseason and training's ramping up and we're getting ready to finally play someone other than ourselves. Thank God. Uh, So let's talk about the process. Let's talk about what you got cooking out there and and what you're, what you're working with. Yeah. Yeah. So we're in the quarter system, so I haven't had the guys that long. So I'm going into, this is actually week four, day one of training. So I want to spend this whole first, this whole first, uh, month of training and this whole first year training to me is developing my culture. How do we train and how do we, and, and all those things. So to me, the most important thing is, can you squat, lunge, hinge, and press? Can you deal with great positions? Can you move three-dimensionally? Can you accelerate, decelerate, and control your body? So to me, that's the basis and that's the bulk of what we're going to do and then I add stuff on top of that. So right now, we're just in a simple phase where, you know, I'm teaching them how to move. Um, and, and we do use a ton of different tools. We use vipers, we use med balls, we use center mass belts, dumbbells, we use anything that works for that kid. That's what I use. Um, I'm not a big, uh, philosophy guy where I have like a system. I'm really whatever's going to work for that athlete, that team. I love that, man. And understanding the, the necessity of the basics when it comes to dealing with these young people is really kind of a misnomer that I think gets overlooked sometimes and underappreciated. Absolutely, you know, and the unique thing is, you know, people say, well, basketball guys are so tall, they can't do this, they can't do that. When they go on the court to play, they can't, you say, oh, they can't squat, they don't can't get the stance because they're so long and tall, they have to get there. So why not squat them? Now, why not lunge them? Why not hinge them? Give them what they need to be successful. It's not about what makes you feel good as a coach, what makes you look, look good. It's about what they need. And that's what my program is based around. What, did that, what does that athlete need? And am I giving it to them? So then how are you establishing what those needs are? Cool. So I do two types of assessments. Um, I've, I've had a pretty, I've been pretty lucky to have some a great, great, great interns. So I put together my own assessment, and I will assess everything from the great toe to the ankle to the hip, three dimensionally to the T spine, and how you move, how you accelerate and decelerate. And I will take notes on everything of that on that. All right. Then on top of that, I will go and I will watch film. So before I got here, I watched about nine games, and I watched, every, I watched each game probably about three or four times. I focused on players. I just took notes on that player. So I did a working assessment in the natural environment and then a local to global assessment, whether that's on a table, on standing, different things of that nature. So it's really assessment-driven and truly assessment-driven, not just, hey, I got my FMS numbers, you're a sixth, so I'm going to do this. I want to see what the nuts and bolts are. What happens when your foot hits the ground? And how do you wrap ground reaction forces? Because that right there is going to tell me what I need to know. I love that, man. So then, like, when you're watching game tape, because that's unique. I don't, I, don't, I don't know many people that are going to sit there and break down game tape that in-depthly. Yeah. What are you now looking at, and what are you assessing with these young men with how they're moving? Yeah, so I wanna look, I'm going to look for a few things. When you're driving, you're driving through the lane, can you Darcy press? Is, uh, can you Darcy press? Can you get into a nice lunge position? Can you hold that position? When you're jumping and you're landing, how are you jumping and landing? Can you control valgus, right? Not just go there, but can you come in and come out of it? If you can't, that's the issue. Everyone goes there, but if they can't get out, we're screwed, right? So now can can you can you stay in a stance? What does your stance look like? What are your positional lines look like in a defensive stance? Are your knees all the way inside your feet because your adductors are tight? Uh, it's all those little bitty things that I'm looking at to see, okay, what's going on here? And why did you get in that position? And then what I, so I'm looking at is positions and why in that position, and then how do I correct the position? So a big thing in my training is positional strength. And so I always say someone can squat three, 
squat 315, and one guy's his back all bent over, is pushing straight through us all through his lumbar. You have, and he misses, and he makes the rep. And you have another kid who doesn't have nice vertical spine, good positions. The kid with the, with the perfect positions is stronger. Just because he can power through doesn't mean he's stronger. So there is strength that will will directly correlate to being better at your sport and strength that's good in the weight room. You know, and I want stuff that's going to make them better. And that's just my personal opinion. I wouldn't say it's right or wrong, but it works for me. No, yeah, and I, and I like that thought process to it because understanding what goes from A to B is really what the job's all about anyway. Absolutely. You know, you know, if, if position dictates load, um, if load dictates position, then everything's going to be different. But those positions are super important. If load dictates position, I love that. Let's go into that thought process and how that drives some of the things that you're doing right now. Right. So this is a great example I like to use. Is if, I'm going to pick, if I'm going to pick up a, a bag of bread off the floor, I just reach down and grab it, right? If I go to reach down and grab a 50-pound dumbbell, I'm going to brace up a little bit and strap up because that thing's going to, I got some, has some load to it. Right? So if that's the case, right, when we do our lunges with our vipers and our different things, and we're swinging in and out of it, right? That lunge just may not be a perfect lunge. When you watch somebody driving through the lane, their chest is more down, is more acceleration position. It's not a perfect lunge, but it's it's a it's a variation of a lunge. It's a, it's like a it's like a, a derivative of an Olympic movement, right? It's a part of it. But and if you never go there, how can you make sure you're safe there? And that's what I'm looking for. I love that. I I do. So now, how are you then? taking these evaluations and determining what tools and toys you're using with the guys. Okay. Well, the first thing we're always going to use is gravity. <laughs> so body weight stuff. I mean, it all starts from there. I think, you know, um, if your ankle's locked up, I'm going to start with just simple, simple body weight things, kind of get the toe moving a little bit. And I want to see if the, if the ankle's locked up, is it really the ankle locked up or is the ankle moving around the big toe? And those are something I want, I want to kind of key in and see what's really going on in that, in that situation. So I'll, I'll, I'll use the cross balls. I'll use tri stretches, one of the big things that I'll use. Um, um, I mean, to be honest, I just kind of have my imagination. I, I know it's kind of a vague answer, but I never really know what I'm going to do until I get there. I'm like, well, that didn't work. So every time I program something, I have, a, I have like, you know, a block and it may be ankle mobility. And I have three things, three things in that thing because – you and I can both do ankle mobility, and you feel something that I don't feel. So I have to have three things to make sure I hit everyone with something they feel. So I have three things programmed there to make sure I'm getting something that works for that particular person. Now, when you do those three things, is that more of like a choice? Like you can pick X, Y, or Z, or is it do all three to make sure that you're getting all the bases? So at the beginning is do all three to see which one works for you. Because sometimes a kid will be like, I don't feel that. I don't feel that. Okay, well. A1 didn't work for us, try A2. If A2, they didn't just kind of go through and find what works for you. If none of them work, all right, let's go off the dome and find something there. I love that, man. And that seems like something that, especially coming into a new situation with kids, like you've got a unique athlete at Stanford, obviously. So, mm -hmm. you know, with kids that are more inquisitive, like you know, they're kind of like the guys I get here, you know, that giving them those, hey, try this, and if not that, then the third – and then giving them that autonomy and that ability to have input seems to work well with that type of person. Yeah, it, it empowers them and invests them into their own process. And investment is super, super, super important. Like, 
you know, now you're invested in the process because now you have some some autonomy and some decision making ability. Go work a little bit harder because I got to make a decision. Oh yeah, um, I love that. Yeah, yeah, so sure. so then now, how do you see this moving forward then? Because you know, like you said, you're trying to. I mean, you're you're coming in after a coach that was pretty successful there, and and now you're you're trying to kind of work your own path and and kind of mold these guys in the direction that you know the chat usually sees the young people he gets to work with moving. So how do you see that moving forward? And then how do you see like the next step once these kids start to figure it out? Um, I think you know. Um... To be honest, I haven't thought that far ahead. I'm kind of in the day, but you know, just sitting there, uh, sitting here thinking about it. I think the next step is, you know, uh, I'm teaching them how to train, like how to train, how to go, how to attack training the way I want it to be attacked from an intent upper standpoint. I think the next one is now perfecting our techniques to match that, so we have great intent and great effort and great addition attention detail. Now you have a really solid program together before you even get to the X's and O's of what you're doing. And so I think that's the next step. And I think from there, now we're tying it all together, if that makes any sense. No, it totally does. So I, I guess then, because I, I think it, intent is a word that started to grow in popularity and people are starting to use it more and more often. How are some things that you try to build that and try to get the athletes to understand what that actually means to chat? So, you know, um, I spent my first three years with Coach Gil Hatch, and um, he always said one well, of the best ways to teach is to demonstrate. So I would show him what I want it to look like. I show him what, the, what, it, what I want it to sound like, and what I want. So when we do our, our Olympic gritters, our clean pulls, our things, I'll show him what it should look like, how I want the positions to be, what it should look like, what that bar should sound like when you give me a good clean pull at the top, like you know, those plates click at the top. All those little nuances and details that, you know, there's some things you can't do in the weight room without good intent. You can do a clean pull or a clean with poor intent. It's probably going to be a bad clean. Well, you start to move a bar fast and do it right if you're in right positions. Oh, no doubt about it. And, you know, being able to learn from Gail is pretty darn good one to learn from. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's been an instrumental part of my career. I wouldn't be here without him. So I, I was with him every day for three years. So it was it was a true blessing. Yeah. Well, I love that, man, and I also think that it's important even, you know, because one day you'll be older and grayer like me, and, you know, the, the ability to still be able to get under the bar and, and move some things, maybe not quite the load that we could do back in the day, right. but to be able to demo it is always exceptionally important. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I remember seeing some video of Coach Ramil lifting at a very a very good age, and he was still doing his cleans and his snatches, and I'm like, I have nothing but respect for that. Nothing more respect for that. So then now when you're starting to look at these guys and we're starting to go into practice and we're starting to get into that time of year where for people that aren't in college basketball, they don't understand quite the um, the repetitive nature of what we're seeing at this time of year. How are some things that you're looking at now to make sure to kind of check the boxes that what you've been trying to get going with these guys is moving them in the right direction based off your evaluations. So uh, when they come in with an ankle hip T-spine ability, I will video every assessment. Um, I will also use goniometers to measure certain things to make sure that we're actually getting better. Um, I think, you know, I'm not sure who said it, but if you're not, if you're not uh, assessing, you're guessing. 
So I truly believe after every phase, I want to assess to see that I accomplished what I want to get accomplished. Um, I'll go look at game tape. I'll talk to them. I'm going to look at practice like, hey, are they moving better? Hey, how do you feel moving? And those are the things that really guide me. Uh, I have some hard numbers and I have some other things that are in between. So let's talk about those hard numbers. So what what are some things that you look at and then how are you building off of them? And then what are like some reasonable improvements that you're seeing? Because I think that sometimes people look at those things and they think, well, you know, I'm going to go from X to Y and really it's kind of, uh, kind of a pipe dream. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so I think overall, I mean, so let's say I'll video a launch position, right? And then I'll see where their shin is vertically and where it is in position to their foot, right? Where the hip is, is it, is it, is it, is it tilted back? Or is it, where is it in position? And then I'll go back and look at that lunge in four weeks. I'll video it again. And then I'll look to see where they are. Now, would that lunge be perfect? Nah. But is it better? And is it better consistently? And those are the things I'm looking for. I'm not looking for the big home run change. I'm looking for those smart incremental changes that over time equal something that's significant. I love that, man, especially because you're able to then not just show yourself, but show the guys. Exactly. So, you know, and, th- and that's what it's about. You know, people talk about building culture, realize culture books and whatnot. The best way to build culture is to get the kids to buy into you. The best way to get them to buy, get them to buy into you is get them results early. So you have to find things that they can be successful that you, that you can improve. And that right there starts the process. Yeah, man. And then, so let's get more into that because, you know, you are in a new situation. You are trying to build your own culture. You are trying to get them to do these things and, and to kind of be in a different train of thought. So what are some things that you have had success with with these guys? Um. I think our biggest success to date here right now has been the intensity at which we train. I mean, these guys, I mean, in a, in a, in a one hour session, we do a lot. We will do movement. We will do we'll movement for mobility. We'll do, we will power our strength. We'll do some movement at the end. They are, they have gotten such good shape right now. Um, we're not super strong right now, but we're getting there. Um, but their, their work capacity has grown tremendously. And I think, you know, a lot of times people focus on on uh, getting kids big and powerful before they have work capacity. And oftentimes with basketball players, and I feel like most athletes at young, work capacity is extremely important for the first year. It's almost just as important they're going to get strong through the work capacity. But the worst thing you can do is try to make someone really powerful and have strength. So what are you building power on top of? And so that's kind of my saying, hey, hey, this kid, hey, this kid can clean 135. Oh, that's great. But I mean, I need Kenny squat. 315, can he squat body? Can he give me a great 225 front squat with perfect positions? Yeah, because at the end of the day, you've got to be able to do those pieces in order to be able to do the big thing as many times as you need. Absolutely, part whole all day, every day. The fix the parts of the whole comes together. I love that, man, especially too with how you're setting it up and you're looking at all of these other things. And I think too that that's something that the more inquisitive type athlete can catch on to real well. Yeah. They, they ask a ton of great questions, which is cool. Sometimes I just want them to shut up and work, <laughs> but they ask a ton of great questions. But once you give them the what and the why, my God, do they work for you. They will work and work. And then 
the cool thing is when they feel when they get better, and so you get that look at like looking at you, like, yeah, it's good. So that's how you know it's kind of occurring over time, which is really, really, really awesome. Well, that's awesome, man. Now, it, it's kind of a selfish, different question, though, to kind of change gears. Like, you're obviously dealing with a different kind of guy at Stanford than you were at Towson. Mm-hmm. What are some things that your tenure in Towson really prepared you the best for moving up to a power five position? You know, that's an interesting question because I started off in the SWAC. And so I feel like I haven't done things much different from then. I train the guys hard. I love on them hard. I think maybe one thing that maybe helped me with is, you know, coming into a new environment, like saying, no more pie you want it, being comfortable coming and say, this is what I need, this is what I want, this is how I want to go about it, and being confident going into that situation. Um, so I think maybe that would be the biggest thing from a training standpoint. I haven't changed at all from when I first started. I, I believe in training hard. I believe on loving on, the, loving on the athletes, treating them right, but being extremely demanding, and that's pretty much the nuts and bolts. I love that, man, because just making the big time where you're at is going to make the job big time no matter where you're at. Absolutely. Uh, you know, that's the one thing Coach Hatch would always say, stay in the eye of the storm. And to him, what that meant to us is you coach every set, every rep, every day. You never back down. and You always do your job no matter what, no matter who's in the room. And I, I stand by that. I stand by So people ask, how did you get there? I just did what I was told. I just worked. Really is the best way to get from A to B, man. It, it is. It is. It is. Well, then, listen, Chet, let me get you out of here on this one then, buddy. Because this is really, this is cool. This is an interesting little thing. And I think, though, when we sit there and knowing that you've kind of gone through really each of the levels. Yeah. And there are some philosophical and training things that you hold dear. Mm-hmm. What are some things that you would tell 21-year-old Chet? that he needed to be better at, that some of the younger coaches listening right now can take from a guy who's been at every level and trained and learned under one of the greatest coaches ever to do it and is now at one of the best athletic departments in the country? Um, be confident. It's not how much you know, but how well you know what you do know. So you don't have to know everything in the world. What you do know, know it in and out. And I think that's something that I, that I would told myself. Um, now, over time, you know, I had a guy tell me, if you read an hour, study for an hour a day, you become an expert. And every year for the last five years, I've studied on a particular subject matter. Every day I'll take an hour to 30 minutes and I'll read just on that. Um, but, you know, be, be a master at what you're at. Be a master at something. Don't just try to be good at everything and take your time and go through the processes. Um, I think the second thing would be, you know, enjoy where you are. I spent so much time like working and being like on eggshells, like I don't disappoint anybody. Like, be comfortable in who you are and what you can do, and be the best you you can be every day. And if people don't like that, that's all you can offer. Sometimes I tried to give more than I had, but it was all because I wanted to please and want to do a good job. But sometimes just be the best you you could possibly be, and and I, and oftentimes that's more than good enough. I love that, man. That's awesome stuff, chat. And uh, listen, I, I know you're now you're starting to put more and more up, too, with what you're doing with the guys out there at Stanford. Where, where can people see what you're doing with the kids and, and, and how you're working them out and all those things? 
Yeah, so my, my IG is mchat24. Um, and then if anyone wants to reach out to me, my email is uh, mchatman, M-C-H-A-T-M-A-N, at stanford.edu. I always get back to people. No big deal. Reach out to me. Nothing special. I love it, brother. Chat, truly appreciate your time, man. This is sensational. Thank you. Yeah, brother. We'll be in touch real soon. All right. Thank you. Yeah, man. And a huge thank you to Stanford's Mike Chapman for spending the time with us today. Guys, just some open, honest, candid sharing from a man really, you know, getting it done out there and building off of a program that we all know uh, was in really good hands prior to when he got out there. So, Chat, I can't thank you enough for being so open, honest, and candid with all of your sharing today. Really diving into the role of the assessments and all that is so important. And I can't thank you enough. Keep up the great work out there, brother. It's really appreciated everything you're doing. And as always, guys, if you did enjoy the talk, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. We are just trying to get the best information out there to all the great coaches that we can. And as always, guys, thank you for everything that you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.